The bloody and burglarous Chicago chaos must wrap a pandemic A2. Noir ladies and gentlemen, sheriff of Nottingham, stinker redacted and coup. Restaurante Italian, Morden Marossa, betrayal and has on Hello and welcome to Board of Games, the podcast where Jeff Setti and I go through all of the board games, new, old, upcoming, etc. My name is Lachlan Albert, as always, joined by the PAX man himself, Jeff Setti. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? I am really good. A one week to go and PAX is underway. So it's a very exciting time of year for everyone. I'm uh, so all, jealous that board you always get to yeah, so jealous that you always get to be there. You're always repping that PAX beanie. It's a bit of a trip for me, so I haven't gotten to make it yet, but fingers crossed. Are you doing anything at PAX, my friend? Oh, what a coincidence you asked. Uh, 1.30 at the Drop Bear Theatre. Uh, we we actually, we had a theatre, and they contacted us yesterday and said, you know, your show is so popular, and so many people have booked it on the app, that we're actually going to bring it forward and change the theatre to a bigger space. So 1.30 oh, yeah. now at the Drop Bear Theatre uh, or the Clarendon Theatre, if you're familiar with uh, the MCEC, uh, we're doing a WrestleBrainia video game special, all kinds of stuff about wrestling and fighting games and all kinds like that. It's going to be a hoot. And Get along. Look, anyone who saw the uh, WrestleBrainia special from PAX last year will know just how much fun it was to watch. I loved watching the Lock stream of that. But uh, but yeah, so I also want to jump in and say something. Oh, and that's funny you mentioned. I was going to say that's funny you mentioned the stream because we are eventually going to be streaming because this year's is not going to be streamed live uh, because we we missed out on the theater where they do stream it live. We've been told we'll probably go back there next year, but this year we are we are going to be streamed on our sister show, Wrestle Radio Australia. Will be streaming uh, Wrestle Brandy. Hooray! And everyone, please ignore the lag that's going on between me and Jeff at the moment. It tends to fix itself eventually. Ding dong, hello, Lachlan here. Uh, I'm playing with the editing after the fact, so if anything is wonky, please let me know, but in this audio podcast form, you should hopefully not be able to hear any silence. Let me know if I'm wrong. But uh, we've got some exciting news here at Board of Games as well. So just quickly, if you're listening to us on a podcast catcher, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. But another way that you can catch us is live. We are live on Facebook, on the Board of Games Facebook page. We're also live at twitch.tv slash Board of Games podcast. So if you're there, you'll be able to interact with us as the night goes on. Let us know what you think or what we're sharing. You'll also be able to see the images we put up of all the games and stuff. Um, and... Another thing is you get to be the first person to hear announcements like this. We have officially joined forces with one of my favorite board game stores in the world, probably my favorite board store in the world, Vault Games, uh, which is a store that has two locations here in Brisbane, one in the CBD and one at Clayfield. Um, if, if you're familiar with Vault Games, you will understand why I am so high on them. We'll go full disclosure here. I have worked with Vault Games in the past. I've uh, been paid by them for doing uh, card game judging for events, and I've collaborated with them on content creation before, on Twitch and on YouTube. Speaking of, if you want to go to YouTube, you can search up Hardcast, which is the Vault Games Magic the Gathering show, and see me, Paulie, piloting the Slivers Commander deck that came out with Commander Masters against some of the Vault Games team, which was a bunch of fun. But more importantly for our viewers, if you're interested in getting any of the games that we talk about, we've got an affiliate link. If you head to vaultgames.com.au slash boardofgamespodcast, you'll be able to show your support for this show while getting games from 
what I think is the best board game store definitely in Queensland. Um, I don't know how many would compete because they just, the prices are good. They have a welcoming atmosphere. They have, you know, uh, really great staff interaction. I've had nothing but positives to say about them uh, to the extent that my partner uh, learned a vault through me and is now working there. Um, I, I can only say wonderful things about vault and the fact that we've got this vaultgames.com.au slash board of games podcast link. And if you use that link, vault will share, uh, some of that money with us to keep board of games going as well as we can. So a massive, massive thank you to vault games at vaultgames.com.au slash board. That's great. That's terrific. Well done. I mean, that's a lovely, uh, as a lovely get. So so well done. Oh, and if you're in the Brisbane area, visit Vault Games. That sounds terrific. I might have to come up. Absolutely just... can't recommend them enough. Yeah. But uh, look, speaking of my partner, I got in big trouble uh, off the previous episode because she's been listening and she says our segments need themes. So I have capitulated to that. So we're about to talk about some new games. Are you ready? New games. That's right. Wow. A new game to talk about first. Um, no expense spared on that. That's exactly right. Hey, wait, wait till you see the other segments we've got coming up. Okay. The um, first I'm thing to about now is one that is not officially out. If you're watching this right now, it's officially out tomorrow. Mark the calendars. You can get it basically straight away if you order it right now. But it's the newest game by Phil Walker Harding, uh, one of my favorite Australian board game designers, um, someone who is very famous for games like Sushi Go, for games like Imhotep, which won the Spiel des Jahres, uh, for games like Baron Park, someone who has just put out consistent bangers, I think, Phil Walker. And one of the things I think he's best at is taking a game, building it up, and then going, all right, what doesn't need to be here to leave us with a very simple, very clean experience that's fun to play? right? Like if you look at Sushi Go, that is a drafting game boiled down to its absolute fundament. Nothing there is, nothing that's too complicated was left in that game. It is boiled straight down to what is the simple game. And it's the same with games like Imhotep and Baron Park. And he's done it again for this new uh, resource management game called Spellbook. So uh, I, I did manage to play a demo version of this game. Uh, it is, like I said, officially out on the 29th of September 2023 to age this podcast. Uh, but this is a game where basically you'll be taking resources which are these beautiful little clacky acrylic pieces that could have been an upgrade but of course uh you know it's it's beautiful acrylic pieces straight out of the box you take those little resources you choose to potentially put them on a little board and bank up points for later or you can combine an appropriate number of the same color resource to unlock spells, which replace the things you normally do, giving you better options to get more resources or store more resources or more effectively create spells, which get you points at the end of the game. And once one player has made all their spells or stored enough resources, game's over, bing, bang, boom, score up your points, whoever got the most win. I love a simple game that does what it's got to do, gets there, Let's you learn it really quickly. Let's you play it, and then you're done. Um, this is absolutely fantastic. A really great simple game. That sounds like an absolute delight. How long is the playtime? It, it can't be that long. So uh, I 
this is with me and my partner who play a lot of game. I taught the game and played a full game in 40 minutes. The box yes. says it's a 45 minute play. If you know what you're doing with games, you can teach and play in 45 minutes. No problem for a two player game. Right. I think with a four player game, if you all knew it, it'd be done. The turns go like Excellent. that. And I must say, I'm, I'm, I'm having a look at the, uh, the components now. Uh, just as the slide is up, and it looks beautiful. Like, it does look oh, completely, the excuse is, the pun, but bewitching. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning. It's done by Space Cowboys, who, you know, are no strangers to doing absolutely fantastic production. I think the one that the conduction, the production is going to get compared to a lot is uh, Splendor. Obviously, Space Cowboys made Splendor, Um and they included, you know, those big, beautiful, clacky poker chip pieces in Splendor. And that's, it's basically mm. the same thing they've done here. What could be cardboard punch outs, instead, they've gone ahead and they've given you these brilliant acrylic pieces. They've made sure that the art is top notch. You know, I, I don't think I can think of a Space Cowboys game that isn't visually beautiful. If you think of like the newer Sherlock Holmes consulting detective games, if you think of the, um, the Yiper reprint they did, all of the Time Stories stuff, or uh, Elysium, which they did. It all looks great. And you can see that artwork on display here, which for such a simple game, you only ever have seven cards in front of you during the game. They really put the time in and made those cards. You see, but I, I don't mind that it's acrylic. I don't mind that the pieces are a little bit more deluxe because it tells you that you're playing a special game. It tells oh, you absolutely. that you've got something really, really schmick in your hand. And I like that. And if I was Space Cowboys, honestly, I would have had, you know, cardboard punch out coming with the base game and then sell those acrylic tokens as, as an extra and make a little cash off it. Because the game is good enough that if they were cardboard tokens, I would not notice and I wouldn't mind at all. And I would pay the extra to get the lovely acrylic. But the fact that it's just there in the box, you're good to go. Absolutely no complaints. Brilliant stuff. You see, it sounds to me like a lot of people are going to be playing that one right here at PAX. Right I, here. Um, I'll say that if you have played uh, Res Arcana and you've enjoyed Res Arcana, which I believe I've spoken about on this podcast as one of my favorite games of all time, yes, this, this feels to me like the little sibling to Res Arcana. This is almost like you play this, Wonderful. once you've got this down, move on up to Res Arcana. Um, this, this one's going to be, I think I'm going to teach this to a lot of new players. Really, really. And it sounds like it sounds like an ideal game for new, new, new players. You know, people who are just new to the hobby will enjoy that kind of thing. Something Absolutely. that I recommend, something that I recommended as a game to play to new players all the way back at, at episode one. And I think this is episode That was exactly four. the link I was going to make, Jeff. You get, you're taking my gig here, mate. I am, mate. I am. And don't forget, you can, but never mind, uh, is uh, Blood on the Clock Tower. Uh, Blood on the Clock Tower is a wonderful social deduction game. A lot of players that play Blood on the Clock Tower say it's like Werewolf turned up to 11. It's like, you know, it's that it's a big social deduction game. You can play it with up to 20. Amazing. Everyone has an active role. Everyone is trying to deduce who they can trust, who's evil, how everything works. Uh, you're in a town called Ravenswood Bluff and the storyteller who acts very much as a dun dungeon master and a narrator has died. They have put the game together and assigned you your role. 
or you've drawn the role from a bag, more often than not, you're drawing the role from a bag and you have to work out exactly what's going on. It is quite a fast game in that days happen quicker and quicker and quicker. Your first day, you'll have about five to seven minutes. And by your last day, no one leaves their chairs. Everyone's in the town square having a chat, talking about who they are and what they do. And your role is to look for holes. Now, there was a great game for a friend of mine, Peter's birthday some time ago, where I was the virgin. I know, I'm playing against type. But the virgin's <laughs> ability is to uh, is the first time they are nominated, they execute the person that nominates them. We were playing a bigger game and I couldn't trust anyone. So I nominated myself and died. That told me I wasn't drunk because there's an outsider called the drunk who malfunctions your abilities. And I was definitely the virgin. Everyone came up to me and told me their roles, which is customary with the virgin because it's the one player you can definitely trust. And there were two or three people I definitely didn't trust. And everyone was asking me who we should execute every day. And every day I told them and we wound up winning the game. The good team won. The great thing is when you lose the game, you have as much fun as winning because this is a game that is grounded in social deduction. It is the social aspect of it. And it's so much fun. And the other great thing about Blood on the Clock Tower is the guys from TPI, the Pandemonium Institute, Stephen and Evan and Andy are Australians. They live smack bang between Lachlan and I in Sydney. And uh, the efforts they have are fantastic. They're releasing new characters all the time. New scripts are being developed all the time. And what we're finding is it's creating a community. It's a community of people who are, are really, really diverse and wonderful and lovely. The other thing that's going on at PAX is I've organised some Blood on the Clock Tower sessions. There's a jot form. If you look at the Blood on the Clock Tower Melbourne group, join via the jot form and you've got a choice of six sessions to go and join. I'm going to be storytelling a bit myself. Don't miss this. This is great. I have one more PAX recommendation for you at the end of the show. So uh, hang out for that. Um, Blood on the Clock Tower is great. It, it's like, it is absolutely one of my favourite games. It's not cheap. It's it, like you can see those those tokens are beautiful. It's all velvet and, and soft. You can see the artwork is immaculate and incredible. But the thing about Blood on the Clock Tower is it's a game you play with between five and 20 of your friends. And by the end, everyone's smiling and laughing and having a good time. You can't yeah, go wrong. I so desperately want to play Blood on the Clock Tower. Um, I... It was one of the things that made me want to go to PAX this year specifically was I know if I go, I would be able to play Blood on the Clock Tower. <laughs> and that's that's a, a big call for me because it looks just so, there's so much variety to the way the games can play out because it seems like everyone who's played it is able to recall almost every game they've played because the stories are so vivid, right? The the way people react to the end of a game is this happened and this happened and this happened. And I yeah. love games that bring that. The, the, the stories are vivid. And, and the nice thing is there's three different scripts in the base game. That's before you get to expansion. And these three scripts are all different level scripts. And so you play the base, the basic, basic one, which is Trouble Brewing, which is a lot of fun and everyone enjoys it. And you get a little more. And by the end, you're you're playing custom scripts and you're playing different. And it's just an amazing. And they're going to bring out expansions soon. So if you're going to I get it. I also love the, the idea that in a social deduction game, you can have someone running the game and that role is an important integral part of the actual gameplay itself, right? Oh, so absolutely. there's kind of 
two schools of these social deduction games normally one is the werewolf style where you have a moderator whose entire job is to be the computer who tells everyone who died who gets the information to the players who ask for it and then there's the kind of resistance Avalon side of things where there isn't a moderator. And mm. Blood on the Clock Tower does something really interesting in having a moderator who can constantly make decisions throughout the game, who can affect the way the game's going by making those decisions. That's thrilling. To- well, well, it's not only that, but like I was at uh, I was at a board game getaway, which is a, a on Phillip Island. There is a, a an annual event called the Board Game Getaway where you scan and win games. And around 1 o'clock in the morning, I started storytelling of Blood on the Clock Tower. It was predominantly new players. And there's a character in there called the Slayer. The Slayer has the ability to take a shot at a player, and if they are the Slayer and the player is the demon, the demon dies and the game is over. And what I did was I built a narrative. Unknowingly, I built a narrative where I, I always ask what your weapon of choice is, and this person said fish. I said, all right, so you grab a fish and you go around to Rose's house and you hit Rose over the head with the fish, but nothing happens because it's just a fish and it falls apart. And then someone else said, I want to be the slayer. I said, all right, what's your weapon of choice? And they said another food group. So in the end, everyone was congregating at Rose's house trying to throw food at her. And there's not many games where you can bring joy and humour to people at that level of silliness and still have them all engaged in it. It's wonderful. A wonderful game. Can't rave about Absolutely. It. The other thing I want to shout out there is that without planning this ahead of time, we just named two great Aussie games right off the bat there with Absolutely. Bill Walker-Harding and uh, TPI. Like, that is so cool that, you know, Aussie-designed games are just that good that we don't have to go out of our way to find them. Um, no, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I agree. It's now, I'm actually going to change kind of momentum here. I've mixed with the format a little bit today. I'm throwing another new game in because then I'm going to compare it to an old game because I'm going to do kind of a couple back-to-back here, if you don't mind, Jeff. This one absolutely. is the absolute new hotness. If you're interested in this one, uh, do jump onto vaultgames.com.au slash podcast. We can get so much of this because it is a bit of a collectible game. This is a skirmish miniatures game that has absolutely taken my heart. This one is called God Tier. Uh, Tier spelled T-E-A-R, like what you have on your face when you're crying. God Tier is a game where thematically the gods have started to die and as they've cried, as they've been forgotten, their tears have fallen to the planet and become sources of power for new heroes to absorb that power and become the new god. What this functionally means is that each time you come to the table, you bring a champion, a big model and their followers. It might be some of them only have one, some of them have up to like five little guys that follow them around, and you bring that champion and those followers to fight over these tiers, fight over this power. And in a full version of the game, each person is bringing three champions and three sets of followers, so you've got these clashing against each other. It does feel a lot like a MOBA game, like League of Legends or Dota, if you're familiar with those, in that The actual gameplay is simple, but each of the characters and their followers have such unique abilities. And when you combine three different ones on your side of the field, the permutations that you can get are absolutely insane. And working out the strengths and weaknesses of your opponent compared to what you've brought to the table, working out how to play around that is absolutely delightful. Uh, It's played on a hex grid. There's a really simple dice system where... 
the dice are d6s, except uh, they have some blank faces, some singles, and a double. And then you're just looking to beat certain things by rolling a number of dice. So for example, if I if I'm doing an action with an accuracy of four, I'm going to roll four dice. Your dodge value is three, so I've got to get three or more successes to hit you. Really simple stuff. You know, ranges are determined based on hexes because you're on a hex grid. But every hero has like an ultimate ability that they can trigger once per game that just absolutely changes the flow of things. Everyone's got different uh, abilities they can do. So, for example, you can see one of the sets of one of the heroes and followers you can see if you're watching us at twitch.tv slash board of games podcast is uh, this fella who I can't remember the name of, who is absolutely disgusting, um, big, huge guy. And he's got a bunch of these tiny little followers, but his followers actually. Uh, they don't have any movement. They just have an ability that spews them across the board in one direction. And he has an ability for his ultimate is just to eat a bunch of followers around him, including his own. And it, it's crazy the way that having such a unique hero totally changes the flow of the game around that hero. And then there's six of them on the table. Um, for a game that's so simple to have so many wild permutations, unreal, I think that this game comes, it comes with all pre-assembled miniatures. You don't have to assemble anything. And there's four different classes that each get bonus points for doing certain things. So it encourages you to play in a certain style with that character, which means that if you don't want to paint them, you don't have to, because they're already in a color that shows something about the way they play. So for example, the yellow characters get bonuses when they defeat enemy followers. The red ones want to defeat enemy champions. The green ones want to set up flags and the blue ones want to defend and they get bonuses for each of those. Each round of the game is a little tug of war over some points and it's first to five points. But the first round and the last round are only worth one point each. The second and the fourth round are worth two points. That third round is worth three points. So if you want to win, kind of the easy, the quickest way to do it is to lose the first round, to put yourself in an advantageous position to win rounds two and three, which will get you those five points. So many times I have seen someone in this game win the first two rounds, the other player wins the third round, and then those final two points on round four are what decides the game. Um, so cool. So many interesting. Uh, I just, I, I want to be playing this all the time at the moment. I want to get every champion and their followers I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> See, this sounds like a great game, but I'm going to say this now. It's not for me. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. just not the kind of thing I'd enjoy. It looks like too miniature heavy almost for me to really enjoy it. But uh, it's something I could watch played and kind of go, oh, yeah. oh I like this. Because I'd enjoy watching the strategies unfold. And one of the things is that I don't consider myself really a miniatures gamer right? I have tried so many minis games. I've tried 40k. I've tried uh, Warhammer. The, the uh, I can't remember what. Age of Sigma is the fantasy version. I've tried playing Malifaux. I've tried playing so many of these minis games. Infinity, I've tried. The Batman miniatures game, I've tried. Marvel Crisis Protocol. I've played multiple Star Wars minis games. And so often I find that I just I can't get the feel for it. It's too much throwing dice. It's too much caring about this beautiful plastic. And the plastic's always beautiful. But yeah, I don't find myself with the money to spend on hundreds of dollars worth of armies for a single game. Mm. Um, so it tends to not be for me. But God Tier has really scratched the itch for me in a game in a way that only one other game has. Uh, speaking of which, should we go on to our next segment? 
I think we should. I can't wait to see the theme, and I mean that sincerely, even though it might sound sarcastic. <laughs> Old games. Did you like that, Mr. Setty? Did you enjoy that Old one? Games. <laughs> Mr. Albert, classy work. As classy always. Work. Look, I'm going to talk about another Skirmish Minis game here. We're going to keep it a bit thematic. Uh, if you wanted two different games from me, good news, you've already gotten them because I talked about Spellbook earlier. Uh, but here is another Skirmish Minis game, and this one actually is uh, made by Games Workshop in the Warhammer universe. This one is Warhammer Underworlds. Now, uh, if you are watching at twitch.tv slash Board of Games podcast or on our Facebook page, you'll be able to see just the number of different boxes that are available for this thing. And that is nowhere near the amount of coin you get. If you want to throw piles of money at a game and you don't want to go all in on minis or trading cards, this one will be happy to take your money if you want to go that way. But... I'm having so much enjoyment out of spending a reasonably small amount of money on it with it. Uh, again, this is a hex-based skirmish game. This one, you take a warband. So that consists of, I think the smallest one is three guys. I think the biggest one goes up to seven or eight. That is all of the miniatures that you need to play. There's some beautiful custom dice that come with it. And every uh, warband has two sets of cards. They have a unique set of Ability cards, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but that allow you to do certain things or put upgrades on your characters, and a certain amount of, effectively, mission cards that are the ways you're going to get victories other than, you know, the simple victory points you get by murdering your opponent's models. Uh, Hex-based, you get you guys moving around. If you have any familiarity with Warhammer, there'll be some stuff you recognize here. You can make your guys do a charge action, which means they can't then later move, but they get a free attack on top of a move in that act. You know, you do an attack, which means you roll dice, aiming to hit a certain number to put wounds on an opponent, blah, blah, blah. It's great dice-chucking fun. What I particularly like about this is, like I said, the model count is really small. And one of the singular war, but like you kind of need to buy a base set, right? Which will set you back around $100. I think there are more expensive, but the base set gets you two warbands ready to fight each other, gets you all the tokens you need, all the dice you need, gets you a couple of boards that you can set up uh, with multiple different sides to do some interesting stuff, and you're good to go. Um, but then after that, or if your friend already owns one of those core sets, you can just grab a warband. It'll set you back like $50. It comes with the models, both decks of cards, read it and weep. You're good to go. The models are all push fit. You do need to clip them off the sprues, but after that, you just slot them together and they're ready to rock and roll. The fact that I have had games where someone's gone, I want to play some Underworlds, and I go, oh, I didn't bring mine with me. You know what? Great excuse to buy a new warband. Went on over picked one up, snapped it off, put it together, and we played. It is that simple to get into, and there are such clever little mechanics in it. Like, the victory points that you get, once you get them, you've got them forever, but they come in on an available side, and then you flip them to a used side to put upgrades onto your different units. So you have to manage, if I want to upgrade a unit early, I have to go in aggressive and try to get victory points early so that I can pay for that upgrade. Or if you want to play more conservatively, you'll know that you'll only get a couple at the end of the round, then you can slot some upgrades. So there's some really interesting decisions there. Um, I love this one. This is, people ask me if I play Warhammer. I say, absolutely not. I don't have the kind of money it takes to play Warhammer. I don't have an investment in the lore of Warhammer the way some people do. I don't have the ability to paint. Again, these guys come in thematically unique colors. There's goblins. They're green. 
there's massive like death priests who are doing blood for the blood god. Guess what? They're red. There's some skeletons. They're a bone color. You don't need to paint them. They're all good. Out of the box. Um, yeah, I think that as far as minis games go, this is the one that God Tier has to come because this is coming out from Games Workshop, which is so established with great games, and they knocked it out of the park with this for a skirmish. Yeah, I, I I've avoided Warhammer just because it's a side of the hobby that could trap me. And oh, yeah. so I'm kind of going, no, just calm down, get your game. Yeah, let's put a bit of a warning one... sign around this one as well, uh, because, you know, you get that taste for plastic and go a little bit sour for some people when they look up and there's several hundred dollars on it. Um, but that's, yeah. that's part of the reason that I do like Underworlds is because if you do want to get into a minis game. This is one where you can buy a core set, buy one or two extra warbands, and you are set. You do not need to spend any more money after you've got that. There's no new format that's going to make your army unusable when they do a rules update or something. You've got the army, you've got the warband, you're good to go. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds. I'm going, I'm going right with the other end of the field. Really, totally the opposite. Totally the opposite. I'm talking about a wonderful little card game called. Sixth Nimit. Sixth Nimit is, is that the only thing it's game. called, Jeff? Oh, it's called about 500 different names. <laughs> As you can see there, take five, category five. But generally, it's known around the world, most places, as Six Nimit. Six Nimit is a game where there are, uh, wouldn't you know it, there are six columns, six cards laid out at the beginning of the game. Everybody has the rest of the cards in their hand. And you flip over your cards simultaneously. Uh, the idea is to score under 100 points. Now, you can see each of those cards has a different value bullhead on them. So uh, the one who reaches 100 points first is the loser. This is this is just a delight because you can flip over and think, right, I'm safe, I'm fine, I've got the best strategy. But then you find that someone else has put a card in, in on top of you and someone else has, and someone else has, and someone else has. And worryingly, one more person has. It is hilarious. It is fun. It is wild. And you like we we played it at uh, BorderCon. I think there were nine of us playing. And through the whole game, the entire table was laughing uproariously oh, yeah. because it became something of a drinking game. And for me, it became something of a what I what I do as an alternative to drinking. And people were sculling as they were as they were putting down the sixth card. And it's it just became so furious. And so much fun. It's a small game. It, it'll cost you between $20 and $30 most places. And really, this is the kind of game that you know someone who owns it or you know someone who knows, you know, oh, yeah. someone in your group will own this game. And by geez, it, when you're down to the last card and you've got to put down that six, you do feel a little bit sick. You do oh, feel yeah. a little bit unwell. You're, you're, you're nodding in agreement, so you clearly played six Nimit. I've I've got it in the shelf here somewhere. Uh, this yeah. is there's very few games that I would ever consider playing with ten players, and this is one of uh, yeah. one of the things that I say about this game as a high, one of the highest compliments I can give is I have played games where I have sat agonizing between which two cards to play and thought about it and thought about all the possibilities and carefully selected one and put it down and flipped it and it's been wrong and I've gone ah bugger and then yeah. by the same token. There's been games that I have played at two in the morning where I've decided to shut my brain off. Other players are playing that strategic way. 
I look at the table, I pick a card, I put it down, we flip it up, and someone goes, Lachlan, that was such an unbelievably good play. How did you work out I was going to do that? And mm-hmm. both of those situations are just so full of energy and full of life. Uh, it's a game that is so simple to teach. I think that it's hard to get across in words exactly what the rules are. But as yeah. soon as you put that first card down, everyone immediately gets it. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 wonderful because it's 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 a game of chance. There's no real yeah. skill in it. It's pure chance, which I love. I also love the fact that it's the kind of game that is, and, and I don't use this as a phrase very often, but it's pretty dang perfect. It's simple. It's perfect. You pick it up so quickly. As you said, when the first card's played, you've got it. And it's just wonderful. I, I love the game. I do. Yeah, I do. This is a game where kind of the question that I would ask people is, what more do you want? You mm. know what I mean? Mm. Because I, I think that it really does everything that could be asked about it. And just one more thing to say. Don't be left with card 50. You do not want card 55. No, 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 no. it's no, a no. world of hurt, my friends. Yeah, so... If memory serves, cards are worth some amount of points. All of the cards that are multiples of five are worth points. All of the cards that are multiples of 11 are worth I want to say all yeah. of the odd cards are worth points. And all of that just gets wrapped up into that one. 55. I, I, I see 55 in my hand and I just go. Crud. Because you, excuse my language. <laughs> I know I said, we, we said we wouldn't swear on this one, but. but and got you do no it every show. I do. I crud up every show. <laughs> so it, it, it's that thing where you're looking at it going, when can I put this down? When is it safe to put this down? The only time is if one of the lead cards is a 50. Yeah. Only time. You know it's going to slot in and you go, now, now. now. And then inevitably <laughs> you end up next round accidentally filling that row and copying the 55. Yeah. That you it's thought brilliant. you safely played every time. It's brilliant. Um, and it's funny. It's a funny. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I really enjoy Take 5. And uh, it's... Again, it's not a new game. So depending on... I if I would head to Board Game Geek, look at all the available names, search. Uh, speaking yep. of not new, uh, we talked about a game a little while ago. That game again. I know that I talked about Final Girl a few episodes ago. Yes. Something happened with Final Girl? Yeah, I, I got the first season delivered to me. But in doing that, uh, as you know... I had a rent inspection. I started a new job and I had to line up some things over in the West for my uh, for my other project, which you hear about more on Wrestle Radio Australia, that is WrestleBrainia. And I haven't even had time to open the box. I wouldn't expect that you had. The reason that I did that was because I was making all of the segment sections and I want to check that they all work properly. So well, that's we, will be revisiting, we will be revisiting Final Girl soon when Jeff gets a chance to open up that box um which i after packs after packs i can't wait because especially with uh, a solo game with packs coming up you do want to hold off a bit till you get a moment to yourself um but yeah i again i can't rave about final girl enough i think it's probably my favorite solo game i've been playing a few more lately i've been playing super skill pinball 4k and i've been playing friday uh which are both great solo games but played final girl again recently it's good it's a good board game. Yeah, I'm looking forward. All right. Uh, with that, you know, because we always want to be buying new games, let's talk about some crowdfunding games. Crowdfunding. It sounded at yeah. that point like you were over it. it sounded at that oh, point. Oh like yeah. Crowdfunding. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. No <laughs> doubt about that. 
Um, Great, Jeff. Yeah, so, Jeff, have, thank you. Have you found anything on crowdfunding recently that has actually, uh, caught your interest? I found a couple of games. Uh, the first one I'm going to look at is called Bone Wars. I know, what a stupid title. Bone is, Wars? Bone Wars. But this is about uh, Edward Cope and Othniel Marsh and their discovery of dozens of new dinosaur species. They had a feud in the late 19th century that went on for about 20 years. And this sounds great. Uh, it was a period of intense and ruthless competitive fossil hunting uh, between two paleontologists. Uh, during this time, uh, uh, both men used every method available to outdo each other in the field. Teams were bribed, bones were stolen, and dig sites were damaged and destroyed. They also sought to damage their rivals' reputation by attacking them in scientific publications. It sounds so fun. Uh, players take on the role of paleontologists who travel across different US states, trying to dig for fossils, discover new species and publish and debunk theories. This highly strategic games combined, game combines hand management, workout displacement, that'll be fun, multi-use cards, and, and it will have you managing your alliances carefully. Look, this does sound like a hoot. Uh, the, the full deluxe all-in edition uh, contains um, four magnetic storage boxes, metal coins, wooden tiles, and 130 high-quality sleeves. Uh, it's it's about $200. And look, that does sound like my kind of thing because it has a it has a little bit of silliness behind it all, and it'll have a little bit of fun. Uh, it's out it's out now on Game Found. I think you've got about two weeks to grab it. And the nicest thing about Game Found is you can stretch pay, so you can pay 30 a month over several months. And I don't think Kickstarter are yet to offer that. No, and I love that big idea. Big game. I, That's I've, massive. I've already gotten one game with that idea. So I'm I'm really, really hyped. I'm gonna I'm probably gonna back Bone Bone Wars. Sorry. Bone Wars. Wim Wim Goosen's game uh tonight. I want to say it sounds a bit like Encyclopedia, which is a game that had a very troubled history. An excellent game. Uh, that unfortunately they got the Kickstarter up and running and then someone absconded with the money for it. So they honoured the pledges, but ultimately the company went bankrupt. So it's a difficult game to get. And this sounds like it's almost a successor to that. And I really like the idea of that. Lachlan, what are yeah. you looking at? Awesome. Well, uh, as you know, I'm contractually obligated to bring a print-and-play roll-and-write to all of these segments. Um, and following on from games that have terrible names, how about some Battle Card? That's oh, right. God. Battle Card. <laughs> I I can't get over how bad that name is. I have to assume that it's to do with having, uh, you know, designers who don't have English as a first language. I believe Nils Johansson is one of the designers here. Uh, but I'll dunk on that name a whole bunch, but I won't dunk on this game, which is a a print and play micro solitaire war game, uh, which looks so deep for how little you have to put into. If you back this, I believe it's about eight Aussie dollars to back it. You get the three currently released theaters of war for Battle Card. You also get two more upcoming theaters of war. Uh, you can print them. You can play them digital. Each game is under ten minutes. The grand total of things you need is nine dice, and then the dice go on the little map. There's instructions for resolving different battles with different enemies. It looks, I'm going to say, for like a ten minute print and play dice game, 
This looks like one of the thinkiest games I'm going to play in a while. This seems to be super crunchy for just how small and compact it is. And as usual, like I say with this, to get five different versions of this game for eight bucks, and you've got some dice around now, so you can find some dice. Like, this This is a slam dunk. I, uh, while I was looking for games on Kickstarter that I could talk about, I went ahead and backed it. Because... Damn, this is right up my alley. Crunchy war game that plays in 10 minutes solitaire. Yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. Yeah, it does, have you it does, found it does, it? it does sound right. It does sound right. Yeah. Sorry, mate, you were saying? Right. No, no. Have you, I was just going to ask if you'd found anything else. I have. I found, now, this sounds delightful. This is uh, this is on Kickstarter. Uh, it's It's got about nine days to go. It looks like it's been funded already. It's called Alpha Beto. And... It, for anyone listening it to is, the digital uh, version, just, that's A L F A B E T. Absolutely delightful. What happens is you can learn to play in 37 seconds, they say. Yeah, alpha B E T O. Uh, each player gets six to 10 cards. Uh, you place a group of category cards in the center. You flip one category for the group. And the first person, sh- first person to shout out a word for the category that starts with the letter in your hand puts the card down. Your letter card and the category were discarded. Uh, the first the player the first player to discard all their letter cards wins. How simple is that? It just sounds beautiful. Um, look, it's a Canadian game. It looks fun. It looks extremely likable. And you know, it'll be about forty eight to fifty dollars if you back the base early classic version. That, you know, what a, what a what a great idea for a game too. A little bit like Scattergrees and a little bit like uh, Ammonia. Just Fantastic. That was exactly the comparison I was going to make. It's like Ammonia had a baby with Scattergree. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that sounds like a blast. Like, again, that's one of those ones where that idea is going to be good. I don't know what more to say about it. You know what I and mean? And it's, it's, it's going to play in minutes. Like, you're not going to be sitting there for hours and hours playing it. You grab five, yep. six of your friends, you play it, everyone's laughing by the end because you play with rules that, of course, make it a little bit adult and a little bit silly. And off you go. Yeah, I just love it. Love the idea of that. Brilliant. I've got one more that's also on Kickstarter as well. This one is an old game that's being resurrected in a new format. This is, and like we're talking about titles, this one is called Grave Robbers from Outer Space, Director's Cut. This can we, is... can, we, can we give that some echo? Grave Robbers. Grave Robbers from Outer Space. Space. Yeah, there we go. Um, Grave Robbers from Outer Space is an old game. One of the first things you'll find on the Kickstarter page is uh, the, the heading... Wait, is this that Grave Robbers game? Uh, Grave <laughs> Robbers from Outer Space is a bit of a classic uh, game of, you know, playing silly cards that are funny. And back in the day, it was one of those games where there's one big deck, a little like the munchkins of the world. You slap cards down to make a beam, and it's all a bit of a joke. Uh, that has continued with this new edition, this uh, director's cut edition, but they really have definitely worked on the rules there is a far streamlined version of what's going on here as well as rather than just playing with one big deck for everyone the game now comes with uh in in the base box 12 different little packs of 10 cards to play you make your own deck by grabbing three of those themes shuffling it together boom you've got a deck go for it um i love that kind of stuff and Again, it definitely seems like the the bit that's exciting about this game is making the wild wildest B movies possible, uh, and then yeah, ending it with a crazy plot twist where it turns out that 
the vampire, the head vampire was your teacher all along, you know, goofy, goofy stuff. Uh, some of the themes that are coming in this base box are like, keep watching the skies and creatures of the night and college slasher. Like just shuffle those three together and then pull out the Jason Voorhees character to play against. I think this <laughs> one looks like an absolute goof and a half. And one of the things that I find exciting is the model that they've chosen to publish this under. Obviously you can back on Kickstarter. I think it come, it ships anywhere. It comes to about 70 Aussie dollars for the base game with all 12 of those themes. And then you can also get different exciting stuff. But their plan is to release basically consecutive booster packs where they release about one a month of here's a new little theme. And then at the end of the year, they compile those into a box so you can buy them all. That way they keep everything in print, everything viable. But if you're loving it, you'll be able to get it kind of as it comes out. And the other thing they're doing is it's an open source CCG, which means that they have a card generator where you can go, you can insert an image and text and design your own cards to print out and play with your own cards. And that's something that they encourage and they're going to help, you know, share ones that they like and potentially work with people to uh, to make new official cards. That, that's awesome stuff that I love to see uh, in the card game world. So Grave Robbers from Out of Space looks like a goofy, fun time. Absolutely. I that that and you know being a being a movie buff that would be a uh, must have must have Absolutely. now Lachlan, we have one more segment left i'm so looking we forward do. to the introduction oh get ready it's time to drop that's oh, right the music yeah. the music <laughs> I know. Every episode on this show, we like to do a draft. We pick a theme. We draft our top three games for a particular theme to see who can come up with a better little uh, composition of games. And our theme this week is thematic game. A lot of times we'll talk about how thematic a game feels based on, you know, what, what it gives to the players to make them engrossed into the world, into a cool theme. And, uh, you know, tradition is you go first, Jeff. How about you let everyone know what kind of games we're talking about with your first pick? Well, I think my first pick is going to be, and I'm I'm, I'm considering a couple here, but I'm, I'm going to start with Tainted Grail. Lachlan is oh, massive. Just looking up the imaging now while I'm while I'm discussing it. Tainted Grail is a wonderful Arthurian game that you play over several chapters. You play as a party. You play as a group. And the wonderful thing is going to meet the characters from the Arthurian legends. It's a delightful game even though it is unrelentingly difficult. But as a theme, as a game to capture you in that world, Tainted Grail, The Fall of Avalon, which is Awakened Realms, and you'll hear them more than once from me, Awakened Not Realms do do excellent thematic games. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a game that sucks you into the world. You need to turn on, what are they called? Menses. You need to turn on these menses to make sure that you've got light and the weirdness and the craziness that's, that surrounds you doesn't sink in and doesn't create more beasts. And and the fact is that as you're playing this, you're, you're going, oh, my God, how am I going to get away from these things? The weirdness is all around me. This is, this is a wonderful, wonderful game. I cannot recommend this highly enough. Enjoy playing it. The nicest thing about it, though, is it comes, there's an app. So all of the storytelling that you do comes through an app which has music 
and it has a lot of atmosphere about it. And I'm a character, and we're probably going to play this for a while tomorrow. I'm going to play this with my dear friends, Isaac, and the hi, guys, if you're listening. Uh, you, My character flips a coin, and if it comes up skull, I get a nightmare every night. If it comes up safe, I get a dream every night. And you, you've got to do a lot of practical things like seek out food, things like that. And again, the nice thing about my character, Isaac and Heather say it with me, I eat magic. It's a great game. I can't recommend it enough. This is one of those games, and Awakened Realms have done this more than once. In fact, I've got another box image ready to pull up for when you say the name of this game. Um, but they do That's these boxes that are full of miniatures, absolutely packed with beautiful plastic that doesn't take away from the game, right? No. Like, and that's the thing here, Tainted Grail, not the kind of game that I typically go in for, um, but so stunningly beautiful, such a rich story. Uh, definitely a good pick for this list. Uh, meanwhile, and one of the things that this was actually a bit of a challenge for me, because I like stuff that evokes a theme a little bit. But for me, I'm so into the core mechanics of a game that a mm. lot of the time, the games that really commit themselves to theme don't end with me. So when they do, they really make an impression. And this one, actually, my first pick, I hated for years. And I would tell people, I tried it, I bloody hate it. Um, but I've recently started playing it with some people who like it a lot more, and I've discovered that I was playing it under totally the wrong conditions with totally the wrong expectation and as we've been playing it i've been falling more and more in love with it this is arkham horror the card game this is yeah. a living card game from fantasy flight games which basically means that in the new format you buy two boxes every six months or whatever it is and that gives you a bunch of new cards that you can use to build decks as well as a bunch of new cards to play against because this is a cooperative game set in the lovecraft mythos um, that does a really good job of the mechanics are good, but they're not the star of this game. The star of this game is the storytelling because every scenario that you play leads directly into the next scenario. Every game has a different goal. It's really hard to say what you do in this game because you play, gather resources to play cards and do skill checks. To what end? Well, it depends what scenario you play. Maybe you're looking to try to investigate and find a bunch of clues somewhere. Maybe there's a big bloody monster that you've got to find if you're playing the scenario that i'm playing at the moment we saw a play but the play went a bit weird and now we went and explored a library to find evidence of when this play happened before so we've been reading through books and talking to people all through the mechanics of this game and then not only that after every little scenario you get experience points which you can use to upgrade the cards that you built your deck with into better versions of those cards which feels like something only a video game could normally do but the fact yeah. that the game pulls off storytelling and deck building in a way that i thought was only for video games has blown me away arkham horror the card game do not play this solo. You will have a bad time, especially if you only have the core set uh, and are expecting to do well, because you will not. You will die repeatedly. That was my <laughs> So find someone who loves this game, ask them what scenario they would like to show you and get some games of this in, because the storytelling does not come much richer. That sounds terrific. They, they, they're they also behind the reskin of Unfathomable, which I mentioned a few weeks ago, and came close oh, yeah. to making this list but it's not on this list. The next game I'm going to mention is, is one that I played at BorderCon. What happened was I walked past and I said, are you that bored that you're reading a book? And they said, no, I'm reading the rules of how to play a game. I said, all right, 
what game? And they told me, and I said, I'd love to play that. And they said, all right, we'll play it tomorrow. The next day, I was busy. It was a day the first day I played hegemony. So the day afterwards, I said, how about we do it tomorrow morning? First thing, last day, before we go, let's do it. And they said, and we played Western. This oh, is yeah. absolutely delicious. Believe it or not, it is a sandbox game. In a board game, which I've never really encountered before. A couple of games have come close, but this is a pure sandbox game. You can do anything. As long as you're getting those points that you need to win, you can do anything. It is such a fun game. Uh, You play a literal legend of the West and you go around the map and you're either good or you're evil. You can rob banks, you can do all kinds of things. Uh, I actually managed to fall butt backwards and win that first game. But uh, the lovely Beck and Steph, hi gang, if you are listening, they had all the expansions. So we played with every one of the expansions and all the good coins and everything that you want. This is a beautiful, beautiful game. It plays, as I said, like a sandbox game and it does make you feel like you're in the oldie, wildy West. I, uh, I then got home. I'm going to finish this story. I then got home from... Uh, from uh, BorderCon and someone was advertising for $80, almost the complete Western Legends collection. So I said, all right, I'm grabbing that. And I now have it in my collection because it is an absolute delight. And I know when I when I mentioned it, you kind of gave an, oh, yes. So clearly you, so you've also... I haven't played this. And the reason that that's my reaction, Jeff, is because you are the third person I have heard this week who I trust the opinion of, talk highly of this game. And I have got a copy of it sitting just down there in shrink that I am desperate to get out. So the fact that this has made your draft here, the fact that I keep hearing things this positive about Western Legends has just made me more and more excited to get it out. I cannot wait to try this one. Um, Well, if you haven't played it by December, I I believe you and I are going to be in the same city. So we'll definitely... uh, I believe you'll we'll definitely right. get the game going. We'll definitely yes. Get okay. I'm thrilled with that, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about my number two pick. And this is something I noticed when people were talking about thematic games is they often talk about these really insane out there themes. Like we just talked about Western Legends, which is a, a cowboy sandbox game. We talked yep. about Tainted Grail, where you're Arthurian knights adventuring. I talked about Arkham Horror, where you're fighting off eldritch monstrosities. I've got a feeling that you may be talking soon about a game set in space. Is that correct? You read my mind. Okay, so these themes are so wild and out there that to have a theme that's as quaint as this, but just as enthralling as that, um, just grabs me so strongly. This game is Obsession. Obsession is a game where... Have you played this one, Jeff? No, but it looks great. Obsession is a game where you play as lords and ladies in Victorian England who are aiming to have your uh, manor be the most well-respected amongst, you know, the, the gentry of the public, which means that you have to, you know, marry off your eligible daughter. And hopefully it can be to the, the wealthy duke's son who's over there. If you could manage that, that would be wonderful. Um, also, you can build an extension onto uh, the west wing of your manor in which you can have afternoon tea. And that will let you invite the dowager over. And you know that that's going to go down. Um, I <laughs> This game's bloody excellent thematically 
because the noise it, the noise you can hear now is Jeff writing down. <laughs> yeah, that the, sounds like the, an absolute delight. This is so the game is good. It's actually a a really Euro style game where you're getting in and you're you know using actions to make sure that you get the right upgrades into your tableau to get certain cards that'll see you well. But the theme of it just bleeds from every pore to the point where you can't stop yourself putting on the posh accent and proclaiming about how, oh, it'll be so delightful to have the Duchess over for tea. Um, <laughs> delight I, is the only way to put this game. What I'm, fun. I'm, I'm reminded of an episode of Cheers that I watched very recently. I should explain. Uh, I'm losing weight, uh, which I'm hoping the, the Twitch viewers have picked up. Uh, I'm losing a lot of weight. And uh, I watch a couple of episodes of Cheers like while I'm on a cardio machine because it's mindless and you can just throw it on. Bit of fun. And there was an episode where Carla went to dinner with the Cranes and she had to be very la di about it. And everything was delightful, delightful. Yeah. Rhea Perlman was, was just a gift in that in that role. Uh, and sorry, that's exactly what obsession is. It It's just everyone pretending to be fancy for 90 minutes. It's brilliant. <laughs> that sounds great. I, as I said, I've written it down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to hunt it out tomorrow uh, on our public holiday down here. Uh, okay, my final game is uh, is play with Jeff's tutor. No, it's not. My final game is, uh, look, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. It is one of my favourite games. It's actually the first game I bought about three years ago in my modern board game obsession. And it is, the figures have been painted by my friend Aiden. It looks beautiful, of course. In space, no one can hear you do an alien ripoff. It's Nemesis. It, it's got to be Nemesis. Uh, there, are, there are now going to be a third version of Nemesis released later on this year. I think I've mentioned Nemesis almost every week. This is a beautiful game. It is frightening. It is scary. It is much like Blood on the Clock Tower, a game where you talk about things that you did within the game and it comes to life while you are discussing them. I think that's what you meant about what you were saying earlier. The game comes to life in the retelling. We that's Again, it. playing at BorderCon, there's one guy, it's his first game. It's his first game. And we'd all fought our way through and gotten into the hibernatorium, which is the hibernation chamber. And he just turns around the cards and goes, I made sure the engines were malfunctioning. <laughs> at the very end. We played for two and a half hours. And we just laughed because it's all you can do. The whole game was a moot point because he hijacked us from the beginning. And we just, all you can do is laugh. All you can do is oh, sit there and go. that's fantastic. Oh, you bastard. But then you've got to laugh about it because you're so – you. it's the process. you. It is semi-cooperative. Everyone's got their own cards to make sure that they have their own missions. And your mission might be to kill player four at Lachlan. You might be player four. I can't attack you directly. But if you're in the room with an alien, I can accidentally throw a grenade in there to kill that alien. And oops, oh, no, that 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 killed Lachlan. What am oh, I no. going to do? There is oh, one Lachlan's thing that we have in the room with the alien out. and you shut the door by accident? Oh, no. Yeah. And one thing I like doing is uh, there's a room with that can suck the air out of any other room. So you shut the doors and you put the air, the air destructor in and off they go, off to space. Uh, the uh, There is one thing that we have taken out, and it's simply because it, it overpowers the game, is the first player who dies can control the aliens, but it just makes them too strong. So, you know, that's just a house rule that we've taken that out. Look, uh, Nemesis is a delight. Nemesis is a challenging and wonderful game. And as a thematic game, you, you're, in, you're in the movie Alien. What more do you want? And yet... 
none of the risk, but sadly, no Signorni Weaver because that would be absolutely wonderful. <laughs> well, um, actually, I'm having some uh, some of my friends, in fact, the ones that got me into Arkham Horror. Hi, Sally. Um, they are. How going dare you to... shout out people? I never I know, shout out people. I know, you never do never. it. Um, they love Nemesis and are going to get me a game of this soon. So we can do one of those segments where we talk about a game again that's been brought up once I've finally had a whirl of Nemesis. Uh, speaking of games that we're going to do that for, that we're going to revisit after they've been brought up on the podcast before, my final pick has to be Final Girl. Um, it. There was no question about this. It w- I was really glad that you hadn't played it yet because it meant that you wouldn't be able to draft it ahead of me um, because I feel like if you had played it, you might. But this one is, it's a solo game, which for many thematic games, that's almost a death wish because you kind of have to be running everything yourself. So you don't get a chance to get immersed in what's happening because you're worried about all the rules. That doesn't happen here because the rules are simple and every rule is about how you are surviving this horror movie killer that's coming for you. And whether that's the heavily alien-inspired box in season two that plays presumably just like Nemesis, where you're running from the alien and you can get like different keys that you can use to power up different devices in the ship and maybe suck the alien out of the airlock or trap him in the incinerator to deal massive damage. <clears throat> or this one I'm show I'm showing on the screen, which is uh Camp Happy Trails and Hans the Butcher, who is definitely not Jason Voorhees. But uh, I remember one of the first games I played of this was this game where we had a climactic swim of me trying to get from one shore to the other, desperately swimming across the lake. Hans walking directly into the lake after me as I swam, him grabbing me and me having to fend him off, punch him off with the last of my energy so that he fell off thinking I was safe, and then his final health point revealed, oh no, he's actually got an extra health point as he shot back up and dragged me down under the water. This is horror movie storytelling in a box, in a solo game. Um, The theme could not be stronger, and the fact that not only is it one strong theme, it's 10 of them at this or 12 of them at this point, because that's how many different killers there are, and you can mix and match them with the different maps and i've got a series of books that are like oh if you're playing this killer with this map here's the backstory for it um wow i i love this game here's here's some special setups that we've written backstory for so play this map this killer this setup card this is the first event card that comes out here's the backstory um it it just totally immerses you in the movie that you are in the middle of. I can't wait for you Fantastic. to play it, Jeff, so that we can talk. I, about I'm it. so looking. You you've sold me on it again. I've only got season one. Can you mix and match on season one? Absolutely, you can. Great. You've got yeah. Great. Season one, you've got five maps. You've got five killers. Do with them what you will. That gives you 25 combination. Amazing. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm I'm really looking forward to playing it. Uh, so yeah look i i think this is really exciting because we've both listed off a list where the other person has gone oh i want to play those games jeff has brought tainted grail western legend and nemesis and i've brought arkham horror the card game obsession and final girl those are our picks for thematic games in our big draft and jeff thank you for hosting board of games with me Thank you, Lachlan. Now, I did promise a little bit more. Yes, you certainly news. did. Uh, I've got two bits of news, and they're quite connected. Uh, the first bit of news is our special guest, one of our special guests on the panel, is Mr. John Robertson. 
If you don't know who Mr. John Robertson is, he is the creator of an interactive game called The Dark Room, where you awake to find yourself in a dark room. And you have a lot of choices. It was a big YouTube hit for him when he was living in Perth. Many, many, he now lives in, flies all over the world doing The Dark Room. We've got him as a guest between one uh, from 1.30, the Drop Bear Theatre or Clarendon Theatre, a pact at the other bit of news. At that night, at 8 o'clock, at the main theatre, John will be doing The Dark Room. So if you're going to PAX, get along and see The Dark Room. It is an it is an experience that you never, never, never had before. And you will take great relish and joy in saying the words, you're done, you're done, as people are shoveled off and taken something from ship price. Look, it's it's a wonderful experience. I cannot recommend John's show enough. Uh, and I'm saying that as a friend of his. Like, he's a mate. Um, and we we have a wonderful, wonderful friendship. And uh, John, if you're this, we're somewhere asleep, flying somewhere. Um, thank you so much for creating a game that is silly and fun. And I know you've got a kids edition and all kinds of fun. I'm so glad that you've made it. Your life. It's so cool to have friends like that. And hey, if you want to make friends with us, you can find us on all the social media. We're on X slash Twitter at Board of Games Pod. You can find us at Board of Games Podcast on Instagram. We're Board of Games on Facebook, where we stream live so you can watch us as we record these podcasts. You can also do that at twitch.tv slash Board of Games Podcast. That'll get you right here. You can follow us individually at Lachlan Albert for me and at Jeff underscore SETI for Jeff, as well as at Wrestle underscore Brainia, if you want to check out Jeff's Wrestle Brainia stuff, which is always thrilling and exciting. And if you want to pick up any of the games that we've talked about on this podcast, head on over to vaultgames.com.au slash board of games podcast. That's vaultgames.com.au slash board of games podcast. And you'll be able to find some really great deals, some good value shipping Australia wide as well uh, from one of the great game stores in Australia. So make sure that you do check that out if you want to pick anything up. Uh, as well as that, make sure that you do subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you're using, whether that be Spotify, uh, you know, Go what is it, Apple Podcasts, uh, Podcast Addict, whatever you're using, hit that subscribe button. Even if you do listen to us live, we would love for you to subscribe there. And if you use Apple Podcasts, if you could give us a rating and a review, it would really help us get into more ears and to more listeners. Is there anything else we've got to shout out, Jeff? Yeah, I just want to mention that if you do listen to our other project, which is uh, Wrestle Radio Australia, the 10th anniversary show is coming up thick on the 11th of November. It will be a 10-hour uh, show. Uh, there's Extravaganza. There's some exciting news. There's a gift for old man Todd. It's all because you don't want to miss it. Absolutely. Well, with that said, on behalf of Jeff Setti, I've been Lachlan Albert. Till next time, have a good one. Okay. The bloody burger brought sushi go chaos, most wrapped up pandemic K2. Noir ladies and gentlemen, Sheriff of Nottingham, stinker redacted.